Hello Hello there. there. Welcome back to another episode to the return of Star Wars in a Galaxy, watching all the Star Wars we can get our hands on. I'm Eli. I'm Jacob. And we are back for the first time in a little over a month. We are back. This is, we are officially starring season 11 of Star Wars in a Galaxy, episode 85. And we are finally doing it after months of teasing we were going to do it. The Bad Batch show is here. We watched the first premiere episode, the 70-minute premiere episode of The Bad Batch, Aftermath, uh, today. And we're going we're gonna to talk about it. I'm so excited to get into this. I'm so excited to be back. Uh, Jacob, you got anything to say before we go on with with how with with aftermath and stuff like that? No, uh, uh, it's it's been a while for sure. I'm I'm very excited to be back. Um, a lot of a lot of a lot of changes going on in both our lives, but you know, we're here. We're ready to go. You know, shaking off the cobwebs, getting back into it. I'm super excited. Um, very excited to rewatch the Bad Batch because. I haven't rewatched a lot of it since it came out and this was definitely one of the shows that I had more mixed feelings on so I think it's going to be really interesting to to unpack that as the uh, as the season progresses 100% I actually agree with a lot of your like mixed feelings um and I I, I like the bad batch is an inter- has been an interesting show for me in the past because it is in the style of so much that I like yet its heights have not been reached but I actually got to say, upon just this rewatch of Aftermath, I'm liking it more than I than I did. Like, Aftermath is a damn good episode, and there are some other damn good episodes in this season. Not all of them are, are like, as top-notch as Aftermath, but th- but Aftermath is definitely fantastic, uh, in my opinion. Yeah, I... Oh, yeah, absolutely. This one is not... Like, there were, there were a couple moments where I kind of had some gripes, but absolutely, I think... I, I think w- when it comes to the Filoni, you know, the anim- the Rebels, Clone Wars, Bad Batch, the, the Filoni animated side of Star Wars, the big moments, you know, the um the keystone moments, if you will, are never in doubt. I think where it drags, especially for the Bad Batch, is kind of stringing those together and finding a way to make it compelling for all of the episodes that aren't a big galaxy defining event or a big reveal or a big reuniting what do you do with those times and those moments in between um and i think that's that's kind of the big question mark for me as i rewatch is kind of looking to see how the show handles that and how i kind of how i experience that um you know with the with the knowledge that we now have you know going into gosh season two you know yeah coming out super soon you know all that stuff yeah absolutely um that speaking of season two i'm going to mention that this is the first thing we've covered on in a galaxy um other than visions technically but like visions is a bit different because it's not like a chronological piece of storytelling but this is the first thing of in a galaxy that we're watching that isn't complete yet the show isn't done. Season two, episode one will be releasing the two episode premiere on January 4th, 2023. Um, and you know, we don't know if there's gonna be two seasons. 
We don't know if there's going to be more. Uh, we don't know the fates of any of these characters, of, of the main characters, the, the six main characters, at least. Um, you know, we know the fates of, like, some other characters that'll pop up here and there, Rex, Hera, Kane, and blah, blah, blah. But we don't know the fates of the Batch, any of the five of them, or Omega. And it's really interesting watching this as a rewatch, yet still not knowing what happens because we don't have all the answers. We can't say, oh, this is what this means in the trajectory of the entire their entire story because we don't have their entire story yet. So we usually intend for In a Galaxy to be like a sort of timeless thing. And uh, this one, this season is going to be a little less timeless because... We just don't know what's going to happen. Bad Batch Season 2, we've seen the trailers. We know, for example, that Gunji's coming. We know that Commander Cody is going to be in Season 2. Uh, we know all those things. But we just there are just some things we don't know. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think one of the things that, that, that what you said made me think of is that so much of Star Wars, um, and this is not, this is not to, to its detriment, um for the most part so much of star wars now is filling in the in-betweens it's we know this character's here and then we know they pop up here 20 years later how do we fill that in in a way that is still interesting and compelling um and and i think there are a lot of ways to do that because you know whether a character lives or dies is far far from the from the be all the be all end all of of giving them an interesting story but it, it's still really refreshing to actually see a, a a cast of characters who for the most part you're genuinely wondering about every episode yeah they could die two years after the show takes place all of them they could they could also all live past exegol we just don't know yet we it's, just it's don't really know interesting to see i mean they probably wouldn't live past exegol minus omega because of the accelerated aging but like you know the point stands the point, the point stands. stands yeah um but no uh do you want do we want to do the summary uh who wants the summary do you want me to do the summary do you want do you want uh, to do yeah the you, you can do the summary for this okay. one you take this one in aftermath the bad batch intervenes on a the in a clone wars battle on the planet of color saving the day after clone forces have have uh, after droid forces have pinned down Commander Gray and his commanding officers, Jedi Master Depa Bilaba and her Padawan Kanan Jarrus. Suddenly, Order 66 is executed. Um, the Batch minus Crosshair try to protect y the young uh, Kanan Jarrus, I think I called him. His actual name at that point, of course, would be Caleb Doom. Uh, uh, they try to protect young Caleb from the clones, but he manages to escape from their uh grasp uh due to jumping over a waterfall they return back to Camino to see that things are changing rapidly the clones are acting a little strange and the republic has now been transformed into this thing called the galactic empire um and they're trying to figure out what to do when they then when Wrecker inadvertently starts a food fight in the cafeteria uh, which gains the attention of the new newly promoted Admiral Wilhuff Tarkin. Uh, Tarkin calls them in to see how they train and how they fight because he's questioning the 
ability of clone soldiers as opposed to recruitment soldiers. Um, something that will eventually we will eventually find out in future episodes will be no will become known as Project War Mantle. Uh, and uh, Tarkin then to to test their loyalty or so he says sends them to the planet Onderon to dispatch. He said separatist insurgents, but they figure out very quickly that it is actually um, forces led by the former Republic fighter Saw Guerrera and the newly formed Partisans. Uh, they ref uh, they refuse to wipe out the Partisans, but an Imperial probe droid spots them. Tarkin arrests them on charges of treason. Um, they figure out that the inhibitor chips never activated in the batch minus crosshair whose brain structure actually did allow for the inhibitor chip to act somewhat they turn crosshair's inhibitor chip up to 11 the um the bad the rest of the batch beats a young uh clone named omega who is there who is another genetically modified clone um and they and they try to get her to safety and escape um crosshair tries to stop them but he is unable to stop them, and they take off in their ship, the Havoc Marauder, uh, headed to Sector J-19, which we will learn in the next episode, is the planet of Seleucami. Um, Jacob, what's our fortune cookie for this episode? That would be a trick question. I almost got you there. Um, for the first time in a very, very long time. Oh, I, 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 minus us doing visions and and there siege is but no yeah. fortune cookie yeah and siege but yeah <laughs> we siege, do true, open true, true. with an opening narration though which i love um this is the only bad batch episode ever to open with a tom kane opening narration which is fantastic i think it's a great way to transition kind of paint that transition um between the um the clone wars and the bad batch yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You stole the words right out of my mouth. Actually, that's what—that's exactly what I was going to say. It—it it creates that very smooth transition where we start in the Clone Wars, and we end the season. Uh, bit of spoilers, but we end the season with the Empire. Uh, we start with the Republic. We end with the Empire. Is very much a good thematic journey for the season to go on. Um, and yeah, it, it's it's. I will say this. I want to. I want to call back to this, and I will take. I will go back and listen to this episode, um, uh, and uh, I'm not going to try and give myself too much credit. But do you remember Star Wars in a Galaxy episode 57, Tragedy on Ambara with Nessa? Before we go any further, I actually have to talk about the logo too. Oh, absolutely. Um, because I, I maybe I read into this a little bit too much, but I absolutely loved. That that just that one shot, you know, the Clone Wars logo, we see it turning into the Bad Batch logo, you know, that clean, clear cut, high contrast, the familiar nostalgia, all of it quite literally burning away to reveal the messy, gritty Bad Batch logo, all its different shades of color. I think absolutely perfectly mirroring how kind of the 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 black and white world, the um the binary of good and evil, um you know that the great illusion that that all the Jedi and the Republic kind of was placed under by 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 Sidious that all kind of 
comes burning down and and out of it comes this this whole new world of um of confusion and of the moral ambiguity and not knowing not knowing what the heck is going on um and and i i think it's just a great it's just a great little way of kind of kind of kind of showing that and showing how everything every everything that these characters thought was was real and right and wrong is literally going up in flames and is literally just disintegrating in front of them like couldn't none of it, it was real whatsoever couldn't have and said it, it better myself show that. that's that's literally what i said myself um seeing the uh, literally my notes say seeing the the clone wars logo get burned into the bad batch logo is so aesthetically cool and really sets the tone before the series we're about to watch that's literally what my note says yeah. uh again go. We're we're in lockstep on this. The, yeah, the old era is over. You know, any any rules that you thought were pre-established about the old era of the Clone Wars, good versus evil, Jedi versus Sith, Separatists versus Republic, is gone. Uh, what we have now is the Empire and people standing up against it. Uh, and those are the two sides. And, you know, right now, resistance to the Empire uh at this time period is extremely minimal for the most part um you know we don't see it much. We, we we don't we haven't gotten a lot of post like at like like just after sith era stuff bad batch is really it um yeah, and uh i mean fallen order is the next closest thing but even that's five years later um this can't take more than a few months this season um uh so we got we, we got years to go and we know that the bad batch season two will will undergo a time jump we don't know how much um but again uh this is a rapidly changing galaxy and uh you know there's that line from saw Gerrera and i'm and and saw love him uh delivers the thesis uh statement of the show you can either adapt and survive or die with the past that is saw spelling out the show that is that is the that that is the main theme of the show you can yeah, either absolutely. adapt you you can either adapt and survive or die with the past um and we're going to see in this season and i'm excited to see this more in the second season how the Bad Batch does this, what their role is in a galaxy that no longer needs them and seemingly no longer wants them. Yeah, ab- absolutely. You said it. You said it. It's, yeah. it's going to be... I, yeah, I think it's going to be fascinating to see, um, you know, the conundrum that is always kind of hinted at um, in, in a lot of the later Clone Wars episodes um never really something that's been explored before um in a movie in a tv show um i I can't say i know of every single comic and and novel out there i'm sure there's i'm sure there's at least something you know that that touches on this topic but it's going to be interesting to see for sure what they put out into the main line absolutely and um on that note should we get into the actual meat and potatoes of the episode? Let's do it, yeah. 
Um, Let's do I it. feel I feel like I I want to start with the conversation about retcons because okay. this was gonna come up eventually, and yeah, I'm talking about the Bad Batch aftermath and uh, the King and the Last Padawan comic. Yeah. So there's been a lot of controversy about the beginning of this episode on the internet because this episode displays slightly different details about how Order 66 was executed on Collar and the subsequent actions than was in the Kanan, the last Padawan comic. I know many loved that comic and what it had to say, and some were disappointed as to what the Bad Batch as a show could be erasing by rendering that as non-existent. Um, first of all, I want to just put this out, of, out there. I have not read Kane the Last Padawan. I know what happens in it, and it is my personal opinion that this retconning doesn't really matter. Um, I completely understand if others disagree, but for me, it's about you know, it, it, uh, Ken Knapsack, uh for Center has this great uh, term called emotional canon, where it's not exactly about, oh, it's not a, it's not the continuity. It's about, not about A happens and B happens and C. It's about what the stories say about the characters. And both stories, even though they have some slightly different plot details, give the same message about Kanan. There's nothing that really changes about Kanan's story from Aftermath to... Uh, can the last Padawan or vice versa. And that's why it doesn't bother me as much. Uh, I, I'd love to hear your opinion on that. My opinion, you know, I read, I read Kanan the last, the Kanan, the last Padawan. Um, I read it years ago. I, I, I think it's a, I think it's an incredible comic. I really, I really enjoyed it. Um, but you know beyond looking at the content itself i think perhaps why many people were upset by it is more i think in general the precedent that it sets or that it could set um i think i think is is an upsetting one um for me and and unsettling and could be for a lot of people um you know i'm i'm just kind of speculating since i wasn't really I wasn't really apprised of the uh, the the controversy or or the exact details, um, but I think just whenever whenever you get the sense, um, you know, Star Wars is something that's so personal um, and and so you know so important, so emotional for so many people. Um, whenever whenever you get the sense that um, you know Lucasfilm or whoever it is, the creators, um, whenever you get the sense that they aren't taking outside of story decisions, completely outside of story decisions, whenever you get the sense of, you know, they're not taking the care that they should or that they think or that they have decided that they are willing to kind of, you could see it potentially as kind of trampling over um you know some pre-existing media um i i think i i understand i i found that very upsetting at times and i understand why um why a lot of people um um kind of kind of 
hold that hold that feeling as well especially when um i think i find it very upsetting personally when it seems to conform to this kind of hierarchy of media you know um there's a lot of moments in which um you know the live action shows seemingly in their creative decisions um with pre-existing with pre-existing characters seemingly are saying oh we don't really we don't really feel the need to be we don't we don't really feel the need to kind of be be consistent or not even consistent but be plausible with 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 drawing lines to where it was before um sorry sorry let me let me rephrase that sorry i'm 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 trying to i'm i'm trying to say this the right way um i think you know you see that in live action you know um you know kind of sometimes maybe the creators not taking as much care as they should depending on how you feel about it to make the characters feel like they line up with you know how they were in animation how they were in comics and and you know one must think well why is that um and one of the one of the one of the explanations seems to it seems to be a general feeling that because live action is like higher up on this perceived hierarchy that it doesn't really have to take care when treating things that were introduced in um in in animation or or in books and then i think when you see animation do the same thing to to books and to comics i think when you start to see that pattern i can understand why people are are upset because i think one one such media it may be seen by more people but it's not intrinsically more valuable and i think that it sets a a very bad precedent um to kind of for for you know these higher up the hierarchy so to speak media to be able to kind of roll over and play fast and loose with things from lower hierarchy that being said also outside of that i think people had many gripes just about like oh you know they should have been more careful um and understand that too and and i understand that and i and i agree and i and i understand where you're coming from with a lot of that even if i don't necessarily agree with a lot of it um i will say that i think people pointed out that happened and i'm not saying you were doing this but i think people point that out happening more like like it happens more often than it does it mm. has happened maybe four or five times in the last what eight nine years of of canon yeah it's not it's not a it's, common occurrence it, it's not a common occurrence and i see many people acting like it's more common than it is uh and uh and not to say that 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 Again, I strongly believe that A, the story is more important than the canon. Uh, but B, that canon, you know, should to a certain respect, to, to a certain amount be respected. And, you know, I don't think this too grievously violates anything. Um, again, people can tell the same stories from different perspectives and details can be slightly, you know, tweaked here and there. And they can still both be accurate, but I understand what when people what where people are coming from when they're disappointed. Um, moving on though, how great was it to see Freddie Prince Jr. back as uh, Caleb Doom, or I guess our first canon appearance 
uh, on in a galaxy of Caleb Doom. It was it was amazing. Um, it was really great. You know, I, I thought it was really heartwarming to be able to see um, to be able to see a little Kanan or little Caleb, you know, as a young Padawan, um, you know, doing his thing before everything happens, you know, seeing him, seeing his mannerisms, knowing what he is, what he's going to become, knowing, knowing who he's going to become. It's, it's really, it's a really heartwarming moment to be sure. Um, and, and on the other hand, I also just kind of thought, wow, he has a really, really deep voice for such a young teenager. My goodness. Yeah. <laughs> that was I, one of my it, thoughts as well. I, I know a lot of people said that. I also heard, a, I remember That's hearing like a, a lot of complaints. Though, to be honest. Yeah. I remember hearing a lot of complaints on the issue of like, oh, why did it have to be Kanan? Why couldn't it be some other Jedi? I'm like, shut the fuck up. It's Kanan Jarrus, okay? Because it's cool. Because like... Kanan's a character that we know and seeing the death of his master, Depapalaba, as described to us in, uh, I think it's called the action is the one is described to us in. Um, when, and having the that... when the Grand Inquisitor is, you know, interrogating what, him, he says, what, what was her last words to you? Do you run? And, and yeah. it, uh, that, that scene automatically flashed to my mind when yeah, I was like, watching this. It's, it's brutal to witness. Yeah. How many it times have we witnessed brilliant. Order 66 so far, by the way? I think this is up to three now. Yeah, it's really cool that they're starting to lean into showing us the same moment from multiple perspectives in one medium. I think that's yeah. really cool what they're doing. I also think, you know, what's brilliant about the Kanan move is that, at least for me, being an avid Rebels fan, um, the first time I watched it, the mo from the moment Kanan came on screen, from the moment even that I knew it was Depa Balaba, I was like, on high high alert for those last words i was already thinking about you know that scene that scene way back from gosh 2014 or whatever it was released um that scene from the first season of rebels in the interrogation chamber it was a so i i think it was an amazing touch yeah it, it is it is it, it it i i love the canon scene i love um I love. We can already see the 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 Caleb slash Kane, and I know we keep bouncing back and forth. It's tough because he's called Caleb in this one episode, but he changed his name to to Kane in between now and the start of Rebels. Um, so that's interesting to say the least. Um, but I just love how like he still has like like even this early on, he has that Caleb Kanan swagger, like. He There's, does. He he yeah. has that. He has that. Yeah, I'll do what I want when I want to. The, uh, like at at such a young age, and I love seeing the origins of of the Kane and I know and love from Rebels. Uh, in that, uh, and I think it's quite a treat to see. Um, but let's yeah, not talk about Kane because this is not Kanan's show. Said. This is not Kanan's show. This is the Bad Batch's show, and let me tell you. The difference between the batch in the arc and the show now is freaking night and day. Uh, I like the batch in the show in in the um in the arc from TCW a lot, but the batch in the show feel way more grounded and um and like 
less caricature-y. Um, like, I, I feel like we get, because of the amount of time we spend with all of them, I feel like we get to break them down as people and not just as, oh, I'm the sniper, and oh, I'm the strong man, and oh, I'm the, you know, that those kind of archetypal roles. Um, I love seeing yeah, them work together. <laughs> Go ahead, sorry. It's, it's really, uh, just to echo your sentiment, I think it's really nice to see them, you know, move from being, move into being real characters and not just, like, TF2, like, TF2 support tank attacker, like, classes. You know what I mean? It's it's nice to see. Absolutely. They're not battlefront classes anymore. They're actual they're actual characters, especially crosshair. Especially crosshair. Absolutely. Um, I love the Bad Batch working together. All of their ridiculous plans are so incredibly like you never think it's going to work. And then they execute it and it works. And you know, I'm just left sitting there like they really just took out like maybe 150 battle droids with five people <laughs> it's yeah. remarkable and, and, yeah and they really just did it in the most the most comical way possible as well <laughs> rolling the big snowball down the yeah. hill and you know doing all their it it, it 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 it's a joy to watch the bad batch fight together it is one of the greatest in my opinion extensions of the whole teamwork makes the dream work theme in star wars absolutely um, yeah absolutely uh but uh yeah um we should get to those fateful three words execute oh, order boy. 66 um yeah, and, i mean and seeing the and again seeing the clones in real time this is the crazy thing too in real time go from the charismatic soldiers that we know from the clone wars to the automatons that they were fighting 10 minutes ago, as we've talked about extensively in our in season 10 when we were talking about um Siege and Revenge of the Sith is yeah. is incredibly frightening. And especially from the Bad Batch's perspective, who are clones who are mostly not affected by these things. Um yeah. seeing their fellow brothers turn like basically into different people is terrifying yeah it's it's incredible i think um especially this scene the way that it was done the tonal shift is so incredible i think even before you hear execute order 66 i mean to be fair it's it's easy for them to it's really easy for them to to play this up big time um because everybody knows what's gonna happen and we're all kind of sitting on the edge of our seats waiting for it but i think that doesn't take away from how well they did it where even before you just like the clone trooper walks off i can't i can't remember the name of the commander um i think it's commander gray but i'm not sure about yeah, that I, I don't know the clone the the commander walks off and and even just before you even just as he walks off and you kind of hear that radio chatter in the background like before the before the shot of sidious or anything just that radio chatter it sucks all the oxygen out of the scene all the air gone in an instant it's it's amazing i think one thing i noticed this time is that you can actually see even before order 66 you know you have that you have that little radio static 
And then we just get this shot of Depa Bilaba's face. And she just subtly, subtly, subtly runs through the entire spectrum of emotions, goes through this entire process of of grieving and and shock and comprehension um and you know dawning dread um and and deep sadness you know just in that one moment you know i assume you know through the force you know some you know you know the unifying force you know precognition a little bit of little bit of those things kind of giving her a glimpse but just in that one moment disturbance of the force whatever it is uh, just the tension rises and rises and we just see her kind of comprehend the way i read it was kind of in that one moment she is comprehending everything as the clone's getting the order we see her face we see her go oh shit like the clones are not on our side like we this entire thing is like nothing is real the entire Jedi Order has been duped. We've been led astray. And now we're about to be burned to the ground. And none of us will be around to stop the most horrible evil imaginable from spreading across the entire galaxy. And you just see that wash over her for one second. And then it goes, execute Order 66. And all that tension snaps. And oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, it is incredible. It, Absolutely it... incredible. Really, really, really love it. Um, I I, I want to give a shout out to um. Give me a second. I want to give a shout out to um Archie Punjabi who voiced um Depa in this episode. Like again, this was her first Star Wars role. She was in this for like ten minutes at the most, and she made like she exact she acted exactly like I thought Depa Balava would act. Um, yeah, she did. Uh, and I, I love that. Um, but, uh, yeah, what do you want to go to next? I don't know. I mean, where can you go after that, after that moment? I've already... I can't remember. I've already raved about that in other episodes. I can't remember exactly why. It's hard to pass up an opportunity to rave about that moment because there's so much to talk about in this Bad Batch Order 66 scene. But, you know, I think the, sh the, sh the shows do a good job of portraying those moments, you know, when, you know, the entire the entire universe kind of shifts on its axis, you know, these huge, huge moments. That's something that they do very well. Um, Absolutely. And this is no exception. And I think the the tonality, the atmosphere that they evoke, is really good. And I think I was really, I was really struck by that. As you know, you're watching them chase Kanan, um, and you're still kind of. You're still kind of, you know, watching them be rocked by this revelation, you know, trying to, you know, on the ground in the moment, trying to pick up the pieces, trying to piece together what the shit just happened. Like, why did these clones shoot the Jedi dead all of a sudden? You know, yeah. it's slow, it's slowly sinking in. That's something that I absolutely 
cannot get enough of. Um, you know, like when uh they're they're talking about it and you know, they're talking about, oh, there's this, you know, the the order sixty six, you know, the directive is going through the encrypted the encrypted comms. Um it says to execute the Jedi. Oh, which Jedi? Like that that one line, which Jedi? All of them. Like absolute goosebumps. Absolute goosebumps. Yeah, absolutely. Um and you know, it, it is it is this galaxy changing event. Um it, it is this galaxy altering event, and to see it treated with such gravity is 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 only appropriate. Um I feel like we need to get into good soldiers follow orders because we do. We do crosshair yes, we do. is that rings through his head the entire episode and he says it quite a few times. And I feel like we gotta talk about like cross crosshair's betrayal. Yeah. I think I had heard, I think I had predicted or heard some rumors of Crosshair's betrayal before the show came out. And I have to admit the pl- plot point was a bit predictable in my opinion. Like yeah, oh if... no, the guy who was dickish to everyone turned out to be a massive asshole. Yeah, I think if you pulled people before the start of the bad batch and said one of basically the like who is the imposter like who is gonna who which one is gonna turn on the others and betray them or from crosshair's perspective they all betray him i think 90 percent of people or more would have said yeah it's gonna be crosshair yeah and again here's the thing it would have bothered me more if it wasn't so damn well executed yeah because he doesn't like, go from zero to a hundred one like all at once yeah, it slowly builds throughout the episode. Like it, yeah. it makes it, you know, you see the resentment that he has towards Hunter, you know, the tension, you know, each action kind of building up until he finally snaps. He's like, you've gone soft. What the hell are you doing? And it kind of, yeah, exactly. It slowly builds up. Yeah, um, it, 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 is, this, is, is this, it is this incredible build. And that's what I like about this episode so much is that it could have taken the easy way out it could have had crosshair go from zero to 100 like that but it didn't yeah um uh it 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 made the story believable uh and uh, i again uh i also love the theme of you know uh to quote uh to quote the great Scott Steiner in one of his WWE promos, the Bad Batch are genetic freaks and they're not normal. Uh, and because of that, because of their abnormality as soldiers in general, it makes sense that their fates would also be abnormal. You know, the they're not taking the conventional path during the war of many clones. So it only makes sense as to why they're not taking the same path after the war yeah. as many clones. Very much agree. Very much agree. Um uh I I I I really I really quite like that too. Um and uh do we want to go back to Camino? Yeah, they return to Camino. Um, 
yeah you know not much for me to say i think one line that stuck out to me you know they're approaching like oh we need a clearance code clearance code don't they know who we are <clears throat> i'll take a i'll take verbal irony for 500 um, yeah, it 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 is it, it is the first marker of what's changed there. Yeah, um it's pretty and, it's pretty yeah, on the head. And I love as we're entering the heart of darkness on Camino, like as we're entering the biggest imperial period yet, what crosses the bad batch's path? Oh, such a good moment. Such a good moment, yes. Depa Balaba's, I believe it is Depa Balapa. Um, That's actually not what I was looking, talking about. Not, not what you were talking about. Okay, no. What were, you, what were you talking about? What were you, what were you referring to? As they enter into the heart of darkness, what crosses their path? An absolute beacon of light, Omega. Oh yes, of course, of course, of it, course, of course. It, it, Omega. Um, yeah, I love her. Like. I really do. I want. I want to give her a hug and tell her everything's gonna be okay. She's. She's. She is a. She is my. She is my sweet summer child. Uh, and I. I. I love Omega, and I, she is one of the most endearing and adorable Star Wars characters I think of all time. And props to Michelle Ong for make her making her just that extremely likable. Um, I will admit that when the show guy announced, I was like. That's cool. They're adopting a young little girl. That's that's interesting. And 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 now Omega for me is the um if anything happens to her, I will kill everyone in this room and then myself. Uh hey, pulling no punches. Yeah. I know Omega that can that Yeah, kind Michelle Ong did a fantastic job. Jennifer Corbin and the writing team did a fantastic job at making her so incredibly likable. Um and I love that there is this innocence in her that in such a dark age, in such a brooding, gritty age, reminds them constantly, it, you know, it's it's about what they're fighting for. It's about who they're fighting for. It's about the future that they could have should they win. Um, yeah, absolutely. I actually saw um, at Star Wars Celebration in Anaheim, I actually saw Michelle Wong talk um for a bit on one of the stages i can't i can't remember which it wasn't when any of the panels or anything just an interview but yeah like definitely you know big ups to her i think you know hearing her talk it's really clear um it's really clear you know she's done her homework um and she's really um i, I was just really impressed by the the level of kind of focus and the sense that she was really bringing it to this role you know what I mean um in the way that she talked about it in the way that she talked about you know her prep work what went into it what it means for her um you know it really just made me go man like I'm 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 kind of blown away and you know just wish all the best for uh all the best for her and for Omega as well <laughs> absolutely um no o omega i think is i think this episode does one of the best character studies of omega because she seems to be incredibly perceptive oh yeah she, she seems is to absolutely pick up on things social cues and all of that kind of stuff um when she warns hunter in the batch of of uh, about 
Tarkin and his ill-informed intentions. Um, I also love her, like, looking up to the Batch. There's that line, um, where is it? There's that line, um, when in the cafeteria, you want to sit with us? That's never happened before. Uh, which is at one, all at once totally believable and yet incredibly sad. Um, and again, uh, we'll get to the, the, the food fight later, but that is a, a, one of the biggest themes of the show, other than the whole, um, adapt and survive or die with the past is homogeny versus individuality going with the group think yeah. or choosing or forging your own path with your own ideals and not subscribing to some higher ideal because that's what just what you're supposed to do. Um, speaking of that idea, I want to go to the freaking um, the pal the projection of Palpatine's speech to the Senate to the clones, Ooh, which yes reads to me like one of the like a space version of the Nuremberg rallies. <laughs> like this is a fascist leader riling up his greatest supporters, and there's nothing else to it. It's horrifying to see them like cheering along. There's that great line from tech which i think isn't one of my favorites in the episode uh still don't think the regs are programmed as they're like cheering for blatant fascism and just lies and it, it is incredible to me the tragedy of that moment the horror of that moment how well it is captured um uh, and then Kevin Kiner comes in with an arrangement of the Imperial March, and you know, in Kiner we trust, because uh, he comes in clutch. Uh, <laughs> he absolutely, oh my gosh, he knocked it out of the park in this episode. I'll get to it later when the time is right, but yeah, Mu music yeah. rant incoming because he knocked it out of the park on this. Absolutely, one. He really did. Um, when the a little later when they land on Onderon, they play the Onderon motif from the Onderon arc in season five they did not have to do that but they did anyway and that's major props to Kiner and the music team um uh but uh you want to talk about Tarkin yeah man um I mean Tarkin comes in um you know, cool little moment. You know, you can see at one point Echo kind of scowling, scowling after Tarkin, you know. Um, and if you remember, um, you know, Echo, obviously part of the uh, the mission on Lola Sayu, um, the Citadel Rescue, in which in which Tarkin was, you know, to, to say the least, Tarkin was a royal pain in the ass for the Jedi, the clones, um, and especially Echo in that episode, since you know he kind of his his demands and and his strategies kind of led to Echo getting blown up, basically. Echo got blown up. Um so that that was cool to see. Um but yeah, I mean Tarkin, you know, he comes in, it's 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 pretty great, I think, um the intrigue that kind of builds up with Tarkin and is is the Prime Minister Nala say? Am I getting it right? I can never remember the. Uh, Nala is the names. scientist. Lama um, Su is the. 
yeah, Lama Su is yeah. the um prime minister. Yeah. We have that intrigue with you know Lama Su and Tarkin. Um, you know the the negotiations, all that. Um, I mean Tarkin, he's so pissed. It's hilarious. Your contracts with the Republic, like they're oh they're no longer eligible. The Republic no longer exists when. Lama Su points out that they're they're still under contract. That's that's like a, a I don't know. That's a crazy geopolitical move. Just be like, it, we're it, different it, now. It, we it, can't it, pay it, your debts. It is absolutely is absolutely nuts. And I and I will say that Tarkin's just like blunt cruelty is great symbolism of how the empire is different from the republic um it's how it's it's it, you know um going to the uh, to the uh citadel challenge in the training module room um when he's like hey so you're gonna use live rounds on these clones and they're like we can't do that and then he's like um uh and, and he's like yeah you can and you will. So like, you know, I uh, just 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 fuck you if you disagree. Um and uh yeah, um we talked a little bit about the the food fight a little bit. Again, it's that homogeny versus uh versus independent thinking, conforming versus forging your own true path. Um do you want yeah. to talk about Onderon now? That, go ahead, yeah, go ahead. Just to the food fight end, you know. I noticed in that moment, um, from Order 66 on, I don't think you see a single clone who isn't either the standard white armor or a shock trooper. Yeah, absolutely. They're batch. becoming... They're, they're so, be obviously, that is signaling... Sorry, as you said, signaling, yeah, they're becoming aut automatons, as you as you said. Um, food fight. This is one of those moments where, yeah, sure, I, I see it, but you know, at the at the same time, like, hmm, interesting choice, you know. Um, I mean. Witnessing Omega um, shamelessly, shamelessly, shamelessly instigating is pretty funny. And then why does Hunter, of all people, why is he the first one to just kind of swing on a random clone trooper and knock him out when well, no one was going for him? Well, it's, it's very not, funny. It's not really him. Wrecker throws the tray first. Yeah, that's true. Um, uh, But no, I, I get your point. It, it, it instigates pretty quickly. And the fact that there's no real punishments for any of them is is a really strange thing, but okay. Um, yeah, they just like make an absolute mess of the cafeteria, and everyone just yeah. everyone's just like, it, it, oh, that that god dang bad batch. You you, oh, you, know, no. you know what I gotta say to that? that oh no, bad batch. Anyway, yeah, it, exactly. It is the perfect personification of the oh no anyway meme. Let's get to uh, Saw Gerrera and Onderon. Uh, what I love about this campaign, what I love about the Onderon campaign, 
I love that he says it's about, I love that Tarkin says that the Onderon thing is about testing their loyalty. But it's really just about testing how, like, blindly they will follow orders. Yeah. It's, it is it's about indoctrination. Yeah. It's not it's, about... It's Tarkin's idea of loyalty, which is very warped. It's a very yeah. warped imperial idea of loyalty. Yeah. Which is I mean, he straight up lies to them. And then yeah, sends, yeah. like, fucking probe droids to make sure they do the job exactly how he wants them to do it. Um... Uh, yeah, after they see children and civilians huddling, huddling for warmth in this camp, and he yeah. and he ex- he expects them to. No, it's it's crazy. Yeah, it's it's absolutely wild. And then, and then you have Crosshair, um, literally has an old lady in his sights, and we see that shot as he as he says, "Give the order, give the order to um to Hunter." And Hunter's like, "No, I'm not." like a fucking monster um uh this is where the saw quote is from as well right yeah adapt and survive or die with the past there there are also there are also two other great saw quotes here times change targets change that's a good one um i also like when he reveals that that um the empire was lying to them he goes makes you wonder what else they're lying about which is quintessential saga era um, and I really like Sagarera. And and I, I really like this version of Saw for a bunch of reasons. First of all, uh, who voices Saw in this episode? I can't remember his name, but I know it's the original Saw voice actor. Indeed, his name is Andrew Cascino. Um, I think his his username is at Big Kish on Twitter. I can check that out. Uh, yeah, Big underscore Kish on Twitter. Um, he is. He is fantastic as Saw both in um in season five and in the Bad Batch. And I love that they that that for this era they didn't just do Forrest Whitaker. Because Forrest Whitaker had been in Rebels, Rogue One, and Fallen Order before this. But they're like, no, at this point in time, he's gonna sound more like Andrew Cashino. And we're not getting the famous, like, you know, Oscar nominated actor. Um uh for Whitaker. Um, but we're getting Andrew Gashino because at the time he sounds like a- Andrew Gashino. It's not like, oh, you know, he really sounds like Forrest Whitaker. It's like, no, at this time he sounds like this guy, and at this time he sounds like this guy. Um and that is um And, and and I and I really love that about Star Wars. You know, it 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 it's like I think it's doing the same thing with Ashley Eckstein with Tales of the Jedi. Yeah. yeah. Like they could have replaced her with Rosario, but they didn't. And thank you for not replacing in both cases. You know, I think it's it's good that it's good that even after there is live action, you know, they still kind of give, give the animation, you know, give it its respect, give it its flowers, give it, you know, yeah. give it that continued presence. Um, but I want to go back to this. I think the saw quote, um, I, I just, I just thought it was hilarious. You know, saw is always that character who is, you know, he's, he's kind of controversial, you know, um, you know, he's not always right about everything, but he always finds a way to, he always finds a way to say something that is 
like absolutely facts. They may not always say it for the right context or in the right reason, but you know, in Rebels, you know, he's talking to to Mon Mothma, you know, about her tactics, and he always he he might be a bit of a dick sometimes, and he and he might be wrong about a great many things, but he always finds a way to 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 spit some kind of facts um, in in some sort of way or another. Um, and I, I do love his character for that. I do too, and I think Saw is in a really interesting point in his journey right now because notice that he offers the batch of choice. Do you know that adapt with uh, adapt and survive or die with the past? I'm not convinced yeah. that 15 years later Saul would offer the batch that same choice. Me neither. I mean, uh, it remains to be seen, but I, I that is at my evidence that 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 there is at that point still good in him. That there is that at Saw's heart, and I believe that 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 this is at Saw's heart, um, throughout his life, but especially at that point, I believe like he wants to do the right thing. I believe he wants to. I, I believe at that point, it's not just about fighting back against the Empire's tyranny. It's about making life better for people. Yeah, um, absolutely. And. Uh, and, and and it's interesting to see that evolution of Saw Gerrera. Um, no, but uh, there, but but the adapt with or in Survivor die with the past is just incredible, and it's just incredibly it, like. Of course, it has to be Saw that says it. Um, yeah, and of course. Uh, but yeah. Uh, smaller conversation, but very important. We got to We got it. We got to talk about this. Where do you think Crosshair gets all of his toothpicks? Mm, they must have an entire room on that shuttle of theirs dedicated. Well, to Well, yeah, but now he defects from the batch, <laughs> and he still like automatically just has toothpicks. Maybe it's they're like, maybe they're a stand maybe they're a standard issue Republic mess kit toothpick or something. I don't know. I know, and like he's hoarding he, them he, or maybe something. Maybe he has like his that. own personal. Maybe he has his own personal stash. You know, y maybe I, maybe I, one day in one of those. Sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Maybe one day in 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 a reference book we'll see, see on his belt. You know, um, it'll be a, a crosshairs utility belt pouch for toothpicks or something like that reinforced dura steel pocket for toothpick supply you know however they yeah, say things yeah, yeah i'm imagining can... i'm imagining hunter on the havoc marauder and he's like hey crosshair we need to store some new weapons and some new armor and crosshair's like but my toothpicks yeah if they can talk about if if they can make a reference book that talks about Snoke's slippers and his robe, they can they can sure as heck talk about uh talk about Crosshair's toothpicks. I guarantee it. Hashtag create the toothpick verse. <laughs> Hashtag restore the toothpick verse. Lucasfilm, you cowards, restore the toothpick verse. Um uh but I love that they go back for Omega. Again, it's yeah. it's it's no, one it's of those great. things it's where great. it's great. They ha they they don't have to. There's literally no reason for them to. But they do it anyway. And 
it, it, it is it is that classic Star Wars. You know, you show up for your friends. You 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 save what you love. You don't fight what you hate. To quote, quote Rose Tico. Um, uh, but it is it is great, and I also just love. I love the conversation that Omega has with Crosshair where she says mm. to him, I know what you, you're going to do. Please don't do it. I understand where you're coming from, but it's not going to help anybody. Um, and it is, it, it is one of those perceptive moments from it is one of those perceptive moments from Omega and how she is she knows what's running through his head and she's trying to to stop the train while it's still running. Yeah, I, I was really fascinated, you know, in that imprisonment seeing the the intrigue aspect of what does that mean for Omega's backstory, her character that she seemingly knows. She seemingly knows about Order 66. And is in at the highest level. And I think that confused me as well. I think I can't remember who said it. If it was one of the Kaminoans, it was it was it one of the Bad Batch? Was it was it Tech maybe? But they basically referred to Order sixty six or to the inhibitor chips as general knowledge, which is shocking. Tech, tech, tech refers to it as general knowledge, which I I, I need an explanation for. It's well, absolutely shocking considering I, the lengths that Palpatine goes to. You know, why does he say it's general knowledge? Well, Very Tech says it's general knowledge to them, but he also says it's a running gag throughout the season where Tech says things that he assumes was general knowledge, and the others are like, "What the hell are you talking about?" I think Tech did some did looked into some files and got into some research, maybe in stuff he wasn't mm. entirely supposed to be in, but he's like just assumes Fair everybody point. does that. Um. Uh. Fair point, but um, but yeah, um, I got two more things for this episode. Um, first one, the animation. Damn it! My God, this animation, it's 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 absolutely gorgeous. It it, it the season seven Bad Batch animation hits the spot, man. It really does. It, it it really it really feels fantastic. Uh it, it looks fantastic. It feels it, it there's so many details and nuances and and I love it. Yeah, I think this and season seven of the Clone Wars really feel like a true apotheosis for for this style of animation um for the clone wars are style you know matures so much it becomes so so rich and beautiful that it kind of you know if you look at the clone wars movie if you look at where this is all started and then where it ends up it's it, it's it's almost defying belief it's pretty amazing um but yeah, going through the end of the episode you know they they take um, crosshair they examine him um they they turn his inhibitor chip up to 11 um the escape omega helps them escape um 
the clone troopers instantly go from as you said highly competent soldiers to clueless cannon fodder as soon as um as soon as they are pitched against the bad batch um was not not something that i picked up on the first time i watched but the music omega's music is really really good you know that high that kind of high ethereal um choral notes um I, I don't know not something i'd really taken a notice to but it really jumped out at me this time it was like they were saying hey hey pay attention pay attention to omega she's really important so i'm looking forward to season two quite a lot because of yeah. that um the hanger scene oh my goodness the hanger scene first off very small gripe they so you know how echo he has those big brain implants they kind of go off his um no off the side of his 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 skull kind of they they go out wide they go out back um and he has the helmet which you know his helmet fits around that and presumably you know just interlocks with his brain implants they very conveniently put him putting on his helmet behind omega's head in a panning shot i don't know how i noticed this it's behind Omega's head when he puts it on because if you actually look at it, there is no way to put it on that makes sense. The geometry all works. It all looks like it fits when it's together, but it just makes no sense whatsoever. Interesting. So interesting. Very interesting. No, I did not I did not notice that, I gotta say. But no, I love the um the Mexican standoff between Hunter and Crosshair is so incredibly metal. Like, oh, it, yeah, it's it, amazing. It, it, it's one of those quotes, like, I, I believe uh, Lawrence Kasdan said this while describing A New Hope. It moves like a son of a bitch. It really just does. It, 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 is, it is one of those things where the tension's just ratcheting up until you know one of them is going to have to make the move um, that will define the next few minutes for them. Uh, and it and, and it is one of those things where seeing Crosshair turn against his, his brothers, his friends, his family, uh, is the most heartbreaking stuff. And knowing how betrayed he is going to feel, and he already does feel about that, is heartbreaking to watch. Yeah, yeah it, it is it absolutely is it's so so good it's so well done um and this is the moment that really made me this hanger scene really kind of drove home for me how much i love the music of this episode i think kevin kiner hats off he's done it once again knocked it out of the park three for three on star wars shows incredible soundtrack you know um the hanger scene just what I think is so cool about it is that it picks up it picks up right where the Siege of Mandalore arc leaves off musically. You know, it takes some of those some of those moments musically from Order 66, you know, the um the pulsating clipped kind of bass. I don't know how to say it in, in technical terms the way that makes sense to people that really know music, but yeah, that's just kind of wide super gritty you know pulsing bass thing that that keeps going off um in the scenes leading up to order 66 and in 
in the Bad Batch, um, you know, the super kind of high ethereal ambient mournful notes all the time. Um, it's just it's just so so good. It's just so so good that they take the Mandalore music, they take the siege, they take the siege of Mandalore music, turn it into an entire soundtrack. It's absolutely freaking incredible, and I cannot get enough of it. Absolutely, I love the soundtrack. I Kiner's the goat. I love Kevin Kiner and his music, and um, just in general, this episode had so much to love about it. Um, these special Republic operatives going from where they're most comfortable to where they're least comfortable. Um, Crosshairs turns to the dark side. The dark side in quotes. Um, Omega's first uh first steps on her character journey um the new empire uh you know there's so much packed into the 70 minutes and we could go on and on about it but what are your final thoughts on this episode jacob man yeah there's a lot more that we go into my final thoughts really really strong episode i really enjoyed it i enjoyed it much more than i remembered enjoying it i think the characters work really well together. They're not they're not kind of hamstrung by the severe, severe lack of depth and the severe caricaturage that they were hamstrung by in season seven of the Clone Wars. There's a lot of intrigue. The the animation is great, the music is great, all the tangibles are great. Um yeah, I think it's really, really solid. Once again, like I said, for me, that question mark is just how does this, how does the show go throughout the season? You know, where was it going to end up? How is it going to get to, you know, the 20 seasons later? How is it going to get to the the finale? How is it going to cover that space from point A to point B? That's the real question mark, but a really, really strong episode to start it off with. I was a huge fan of it, rewatching it. Absolutely. I love, um, there's a lot to love about this episode. It is a very strong premiere. Um, and the Bad Batch, I think we're going to discover is an extremely strong show and I think is underrated in a lot of ways. Um, but I think that's going to be it for this episode of Star Wars in a Galaxy. Uh, next week, we are going weekly. We're getting back to weekly recording next week. We're looking at two more episodes of the bad batch cut and run and replacements episodes two and three that's episode 86 that'll be out next week so um uh those two episodes are fantastic i love them both um let me also um uh say that um i hope you all enjoyed connor the one-eyed knight shakiti versus andrew the grand admiral geha Epic Confrontations 5, and I have an update for you about Epic Confrontations 6. We revealed that is the Imperial Senate Podcast of War. It is going to be coming sooner than all of us expected. Um, it is going to be coming on October the 8th, is our current plan. The October the 8th, we're recording on the 2nd, I believe it is. Um, and uh, so look for Epic Confrontations 6, the Imperial Senate Podcast of War. We have a lot of fun surprises coming your way for that match. And matches on Epic Confrontations beyond it, uh, on our YouTube channel, uh, which is Star Wars in a Galaxy, which hosts all of our live YouTube comment content as well as our um Epic Confrontations. But in the meantime, 
Follow us on Twitter at InAGalaxyPod, Instagram at Star Wars in a Galaxy. Our trivia account on Twitter is at InAGalaxyTrivia. My personal Twitter ac- uh, account is at Oshifan327. Uh, you should listen to you can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to, to your podcasts. We will be there for not email us SWinagalaxy at gmail.com. Uh, you can also email us with your hot takes, your trivia, your questions, your opinions, whatever you want to email us with. We'll read your stuff on the show. If you can leave a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, it really does help with our visibility. Um, and I think until next time, may the force be with you. Always. <laughs>